0: Yo yo yo, what is going on? <clears throat> this is John Ross Marcus Cox here with the Way Too Much JRMC podcast. How's everybody doing today? <clears throat> appreciate y'all coming here and uh giving me a giving me a visit, give me a listen today. Uh I always always appreciate you guys. Appreciate you guys giving me giving me your time and attention. Um let's go and clean up some housekeeping items here real quick. Hey, for all y'all that are watching, listening, whatever, like, share, subscribe, comment. Leave us a review on whatever plug, whatever p- platform that you are watching or listening. You can find me on pretty much any on all the audio podcast platforms, whether it be Spotify, Apple, Google, Amazon, iHeartRadio, uh, all that, all that good stuff. Stitcher. You can find me on my video video version on YouTube and on Rumble. So uh, you know the best way to best way to grow the show is you know organically from individuals you know sharing you know whether it be on youtube and rumble just sharing the url you know going there and subscribing to the channels and turning on notifications texting to your friends leaving comments so i can engage with you you know shoot shoot me emails whatever just go in there and search way too much jrmc and you'll you'll find me um same deal goes for on social media facebook twitter instagram tiktok all that good stuff um, I got some pretty exciting stuff coming up here in the next little bit. I got a couple of uh, got a couple of events scheduled. We're gonna be on some other podcasts. Um, getting to be a guest and talk about what I'm trying to do here um, with the way too much brand. <clears throat> um, so that, so that's exciting. So appreciate you guys. Obviously, it has been now a little over a week since the since the elections, and I'm just going to tell everybody right now. I'm, I'm just I don't I just don't ever see myself being that guy that comes on and immediately opines in the heat of the moment. And gives you my analysis immediately as soon as something happens because I'm just I feel like that I just I would rather wait and let the dust settle and have time to gather myself, you know. Um. In this, in this arena, in this conversation, if you look like me, sound like me, talk like me, the last thing I want is to you know ever is to ever say something totally off base and totally get it wrong. Cause I didn't do my research. And then people say, well, he's just some old, just some old redneck running, you know, spouting off the mouth. You know, that's not what I'm, you know, what I'm trying to be. And I don't think it's helpful. So, you know, if I, I'm never going to be the place giving you the, the, it's never gonna be the show, giving you the scoop or being the first one to report on something. You know, I like to take in the information and give you an honest assessment on, on, on where I'm at. So got, a got a, you know, jam-packed show for you today. Um, you know, just to kind of start off, I mean, I'll kind of tell you where my head was at this time. You know, not this time, but, you know, at 10 p.m. on Tuesday night last week, I mean, probably the same place that a lot of y'all were at. You know, I was expecting some big Republican wave and some, you know, like the red wave taking over. And it's taking over the U.S. Senate, U.S. House, you know, all that stuff. You know, hope to take over school, you know, school boards, especially here in Jefferson County, All all that stuff. Obviously, a lot of that didn't come to fruition. So my initial thought was, "Man, we just we failed, and we just we were, you know, we were uh, you know off track on where we thought the electorate was." Um, I assumed because I was listening to the news that you know that people all over the country were saying they were in favor of abortion and on demand, and uh, because of the constitutional amendments that went down, and that people weren't you know like wanting. To, Want to protect our elections and didn't worried about election integrity. You know, I assumed that, you know, liberty candidates and the message of freedom and personal responsibility, all that was, you know, that wasn't a winning message. I assumed that Trump's endorsement was a, you know, was a, was a, uh, what's the word for here? Like a stake in the grave of different candidates and that they lost because of him. Because again, that's what the news was, that's what the news was telling us that night you know um but once i you know said had a couple nights of sleep on it get to see how results came out all that none of that was none of that's true right and like i actually feel like some good things happened you know some good things happened and things we you know things we can build on and we need to be quick to correct people, especially people that are elected are like representatives, into thinking that what this election meant was that they need to go back to the middle, to the moderate end of the spectrum and that people want compromise and all that. I, I'm telling you right now, and we'll go through all this stuff. That is, That was not the message that was sent last week. Okay, so let's start by addressing this this myth that Trump, Trump and his endorsements was the this sentence for several campaigns across the country now i will will say this i do think trump probably made some mistakes by endorsing and stuff in so many so many races all right like there's no possible way that he knew you know he knew all those he knew everybody that he endorsed you know and had done personal research into their campaigns and all that stuff and when he doesn't make when he's not the one making those calls my fear is that everybody, the, all of his people around him, even though the ones that are, even I'm sure he has good advisors and all that, they don't have the same instincts he does. So I started going down through here and look, I went to Real, Real Clear Politics and was kind of checking out all the House reps, senators that that he and that he'd endorsed, right? But then I started to drill. I wanted to drill it down even more. Okay, so let's really look at who, at who he was like, ride or die for, like in the trenches from the you know from from. That he was day one with, right? So, and, and, and a pattern started to emerge. Two of them actually. The biggest one being that in open seat elections, okay. So this is someone where like they've redistricted, that they've redistricted or whatever, and like they've had to run. There's no incumbent, okay. Or in races where he endorsed a challenger. To, a, to, a Repul- to another Republican that won in the, that won in the primary, that it went on to be in the general, his endorsements were, were highly successful. So you look at Alabama District 5, candidate last name Strong, he was, a, it was an open seat. He actually endorsed this person in the general, though, but he was, was an open seat, won 67 to 29 in Alabama. You got another one, Crane in Arizona District 2. He was a challenger to the to the republican in the in the primary and Trump endorsed him in the primary. He won 53 or basically 54 46. Um drop one down here to California District 3. Kylie This was a, this was an open seat this was an open seat where he endorsed this person in the primary. They ended up winning 53 to 53.1 to 46.9. You know, obviously, th- this isn't someone who was a who. This was a you know, I don't, incumbents are different. That's why I'm not talking about them. But there were two incumbents he endorsed that I think are important because supposedly they're super lunatic extremist, and the left really wanted to take them out. And they're just more, there's further proof that the people just want, the, just want people to be honest, and they want to know where they stand. And we are a we are a conservative leaning nation. So you got you know, Bolvard in in Colorado. And gates in florida gates won big bobert squeaked it out but again like it's colorado so pretty liberal state she still won her district um then you got florida district 13 this was luna this is the one in this is this is miami dade all right this was an open seat one he endorsed luna in the primary she won 53 45 this is a this was an area that wasn't you're typically a Democrat, or it's typically Democrat, from what I understand. So that's you know that that's another one. You got same situation in the in Florida District Four, Bean, open seat, Trump's pick wins it. Florida District Seven, Mills was ch- Mills was challenging the the, you know, the incumbent wins it, fifty eight forty one. So Q, Bean won sixty to thirty nine. Mills won fifty eight forty one. You got Collins, this was an open seat in Georgia District 10, 64 35. McCormick, open seat, 62 37. Henson, Iowa District 2, 54 45. Nunn, Iowa District 3, wins. So, Houchett, and you got Houchett in Indiana District 9, open seat, wins 63.7, 33.5. Zinke in Montana, District 1. This was another open seat. Trump's pick wins it, you know. So I mean, the list goes on. I'm not going to continue boring you with all those house, all the house seats, all the house endorsements there. Then let's go. Let's go see if that if that trend again. The trend being him not just trying to endorse someone in every single every single election, in every single race. Him like this is actually people that he endorsed either in a primary. You know, or as a or as a challenger, right? And specifically open seat ones. And I'll talk. I going to talk about that again later on when I talk about another a Kentucky race here. But open seat Alabama, Britt wins All thirty. All right, then you got Shabaka. I don't know if we know that they won or not yet in Alaska, but had a huge showing at like against Murkowski. You got it's gonna here. You got uh Bud in North Carolina, open seat. Endorsed Bud in the primary, he wins fifty forty seven in the US Senate. You got Mullen in Oklahoma Special Election was open seat. endorsed Mullen in the primary wins sixty-one thirty-five. Right, and then the big one, I think this is the big one, especially for our area. It's like Ohio so indicative of special you know it's so indicative of, of of eastern Kentucky. You know, it's so similar. And the person that won it is famous for writing a book about Appalachian culture. You know, like, so again, another open seat endorsed JD Vance in the primary. He wins fifty three forty six. Fifty three forty six is a it's a that's a it's a pretty big uh pretty big that's a pretty big spread there. You know, it may seem what like single digits. I mean, anything above like two or three percentage points is a huge is a is a big is a big spread. So, people where he was at where Trump was an actual was was an actual believer of whoever it was, and I think that you can see that. When it comes to, like, spe- specifically when he endorsed someone in a primary, you know, and then ones where there's no incumbent and it's an open seat. So there's no, there's no like preconceived bias or name recognition for whoever the incumbent is. That's, that's, all, that's always an uphill battle when you're challenging someone who's an incumbent. People that Trump endorsed were highly successful. So don't listen to what everyone else is telling you. Okay, and we'll, and we'll discuss Kentucky in a second. You know what jury's still out on what's going to happen in Georgia with uh, Walker and Raphael Warnock. You know I, I I feel my gut tells me that Walker ends up pulling that one out, and then the you know the other one I'll see that he wasn't successful in was Blake Masters in Arizona. But I'm gonna be honest with y'all, when you start looking at what's happening in Arizona. All right, and you can call me king presiders all you want. Yeah, I got a brother and this is anecdotal, but my brother-in-law and my sister in law live out there. And there's a place out in Arizona, where there's a website where you can go and check to see if your ballot counted. And so they were they were they were they went they were in a polling place where they were told to go vote somewhere else cuz the, the machines weren't working. Today, as of November 17th, when they go che- when they go to that website to see if their vote counted, it's still showing that it was that it didn't count. So, take that for what it, you know what it's worth. You know, I, like obviously, when you have big accusations, you got to have big evidence. But I just, you know, I don't think we can look at Arizona and take anything from it. Now, I will say this: when it comes to like nationwide crazy voter fraud allegations or whatever, like there' there's just as many surprises that are in favor of the Republican Party as there are not in favor of them. So. I want to caution everyone to start jumping off the deep end and saying that everywhere you, everywhere you look, there's crazy of fraud. Because if that's if that's the case, then a lot of these wins we're talking about are suspect. You know what I'm saying? So you got to be cognizant of that. You know, we have some deep blue areas like Miami-Dade that that have flipped, that have flipped to Republican, like the same way as Republicans are upset, thinking there was some shenanigans going on in Arizona with the governor's race, with the gubernatorial race there. If I was if I was a Democrat, I could be saying the same thing and saying there's no way Miami Dade flipped because it's always deep blue, right? So got to be you know, we got to be cognizant of that. You know, so so there there's that one. And but the big where I think Donald Trump made a huge mistake and I think he risked his I mean like totally destroying his brand on this one was in, in the Pennsylvania race. I mean, I'm big on like representation and like. Symbo- symbolic gestures and representing those that, you know, getting people in there that represent us not just in what they say but in how they carry themselves, how they act, how they represent themselves, how they speak, how they, you know, all, all that stuff, how they spread the message. This Oz character, I'm being honest, like, he didn't, he, I, I know he wasn't a representation of me. You know, like in Pennsylvania, people are, Pennsylvania's somewhat similar to kentucky i mean it's you got a lot of steel mills and you got a lot of you know coal mining and coal towns and you know i just don't know what he was thinking endorsing some like a lifelong democrat elitist doctor that was all about vaccines until yesterday you know like you know i think that's the true message behind that not you know not the you know, I don't think anyone thinks that John Fetterman was a good candidate. I don't think the Democrats even thought he was a good candidate. I think the simple fact of the matter was, you nope know, Republicans were not excited about Dr. Oz. They just weren't. I mean, I know I wasn't. Now, on the flip side of that, I think people are reading into it and saying people are like that. People disliked Oz so much they were voted. They were, ready, they were willing to vote for a guy who can't even like think straight because he's of, of the stroke. You know, I don't think This is the sad state of the Democratic Party. Okay, and maybe we can learn something from them as Republicans. But Democrats don't vote for candidates. I've been saying this in several podcasts over the last several months. Democrats don't vote for candidates. They vote on platform issues, abortion, education funding, health care. You know, they they legitimately, they don't care if it's a corpse that's, that's running. They don't care. And so it's why, like, I'll actually kind of give them props for that. Like, they are in it to win it. They are down for the cause. I mean, they're ride or die. Put it, they, they say, hey, listen, we need somebody to represent our team in there. We ain't voting for them anyway. We're voting for the principals, and we expect them to vote the way we expect them to vote. And we, if he can't speak because he's had a stroke, can he click the green button to say vote yes on stuff that is put forward by Chuck Schumer? And if the answer is yes, then okay, we'll vote for him. But we all need to remember that. If any of you are ever considering voting for a Democrat because you think they're reasonable, especially on a national level, it doesn't matter how reasonable they are. They're going to vote with that party. They're not like the Republicans, that try to have an open mind and try to you know, think rationally and critically. They're yes people. All they're all bootlickers. Can't you can't vote for them, all right? So that's my two cents on that. Other big thing here. So now we'll start getting into Kentucky a little bit. And again, I'm always trying to tie the Kentucky stuff into a national message. You know, everyone would be quick to. Would be quick to think that abortion and Roe v.ersus Wade was a losing issue for Republicans. Okay, but I said do a little deep dive, and you'll see that wasn't the case. So I'm going to pull up. Here's an article. And for that, just to, just so for the people that are listening, if you're not in Kentucky, we had a we had an amendment in Kentucky on the ballot that that said nothing but this. No, nowhere, nowhere in the Kentucky Constitution is there a guaranteed right to an abortion. Nor is there any guaranteed right to the funding of an abortion. And that, and that ballot, I'm sorry, in that measure, it failed. Okay, so it's easy to start thinking like, well, the people of Kentucky, I guess, are more liberal than we thought. They, they're okay with killing, with murdering babies. Slow your roll for a minute. Let's talk this through. So again, I talked about all the people that won. Um. Their, you know, the, the elections that were Trump endorsements or whatever. I didn't talk about any incumbents. But let's talk about this. So, various, this is from Fox News, Marjorie Dannenfelser. This was back on November 14th. It says various postmortems were quick to blame pro life candidates and the Dobbs decision for the GOP's lack of success. Headlines proclaimed abortion again proves to be a winning issue for Democrats, and voters solidify pro abortion stance at the polls. This facile narrative is wrong. Most Americans are not pro-abortion by any stretch. The position of today's Democratic Party, abortion on demand until birth, paid for by taxpayers, has never been popular. Even immediately after Dobbs, it garnered only 10%. So, she goes on to say, so Florida Senator Marco Rubio won, and he won because he went on offense against his opponent's abortion extremism. Okay, in, the, in the presidential election cycle that's just beginning, it is a given that candidates must go on offense, but it, that, but that but it also isn't sufficient. They must also center a strong pro-life GOP agenda around national minimum protections for the unborn child and mothers. Okay? And this is where I, I'm going to tell you right here why the true reason... All these abortion measures that wanted to limit abortion in all in all the states, and we'll talk about these the constitutional amendments across the country here, in, here later on as well. They failed for one reason, okay, and this is also one reason I think you didn't see much broader success in the party. The Republican Party is terrible at focusing their messaging and giving candidates a clear message to attach themselves to. Instead, they want to try to target money into specific races to get specific people elected instead of saying, okay, this is an issue we think, first of all, can win. But most importantly, here's an issue that we think our voters are actually in support of. So we're going to spend money on this. So listen to this stat. During this general election, Democrats spent an unprecedented $391 million on abortion focused TV ads alone. Compared with, listen to this, only $11 million on the GOP side. So Republicans were outspent 35 to 1 by Democrats on, on abortion related measures. Because I want to say combined with the primaries, Democrats spent more on advertising than McDonald's corporation did last year. Let that sink in for a second. The Republican Party wants to have their hands their hands in everybody in every pocket, in every issue. Instead of saying what key what key issues, you know, for the Democrats, you got again, it's it is women's reproductive rights, whatever. Okay, it's that. It's healthcare. It's a living wage or whatever. Okay, and it's scaring old people into thinking that Republicans are going to take away their Social Security. You know, maybe there's one or two other ones, but they keep it to a handful to a handful of issues. And they spend all their money on those things and they allow whoever's running across the country to attach themselves to those things. So each individual candidate doesn't need as much money when they can, and doesn't need as much help in those situations because they can just piggyback off of that. But it also makes it clear when those people get in, hey, when this stuff comes up for a vote... This is what we expect of you. We don't expect freedom of thought. That's what the Democrat I mean the Democrats there's no freedom of thought. There's no war of ideas inside of that caucus. Zero. Okay, and you may say, well what's that what's that three hundred fifty million dollars go, go towards? You know, what do you mean by what do you mean by abortion related spending? What I mean is they They will spend three hundred ninety million dollars lying to people. Okay, we're on the GOP side. We're spending eleven million dollars just trying to tell people, ineffectively, what's what's you know what we're about. We're not we don't do it in like an efficient manner. Okay, Democrats they spend their three hundred ninety million dollars lying about what you're doing, and what's being done. So this is from this is from Protect Kentucky Access. Okay. This is an abortion, an abortion mailer we got. I'll show it to you. It's, it's right here. Okay, so this year Kentuckians will vote on a, vote in important elections from the Senate to the state Supreme Court, and this year abortion in bold is on the ballot. Learn about Amendment Two. This year, there's a critical referendum that would decide the future of abortion access in Kentucky. A yes vote. That's what they say on here. Supports a total and permanent ban on abortion. With no exceptions for rape, incest, or when the mother's life is at risk. And then a no vote protects the legal right to abortion. Look at this. Now I told you. All this amendment said in Kentucky was that. All it said was there is no specific language in the Kentucky Constitution that that guarantees the right to an abortion. Nor is there any wording that guarantees the funding of an abortion. That was it it did nothing it did it didn't say anything of the matter of whether of, morally is it a good is abortion good is Is there going to be a law passed in two months by the legislature that would allow abortion up to forty weeks? Is there a law that's going to be passed that doesn't that outlaws abortion altogether? Is there going to be a law that bans abortion with no exceptions for rape, incest, or when the mother's life's at risk? It didn't. No, it, it had none of that in there. But again, the Democrats don't care, and the Republicans aren't smart enough to get ahead of it and say, "Okay, when we do this amendment, we got to put in there." None of this wording is in there. Therefore, it is the power is left to the legislature to enact laws with exceptions for protecting the life of the mother. I mean, they like, put something in there like that. <clears throat> it says, Republicans who weren't prepared were susceptible to bad advice. They did their best imitation of an ostrich, burying their heads in the sand, letting their opponents define them. Dr. Oz is lost in Pennsylvania and Adam Lex- Le- Lexalt in Nevada are two disappointing examples. For Democrats who spent millions casting their opponents as heartless villains, who don't care if women die, and were met with silence or a weak response, lying worked. But for those whose Republican opponents, so if you, so again, if you let them say that about you, without refuting it, you lost. But for those who but for those whose Republican opponents not only strongly refuted those accusations, but also went on offense and challenged them to defend their actual agenda, pro-abortion extremism became a liability. It's not pro-abortion, it's, pro, it's pro-child It's pro murder. Just to be honest here. Republican Senate candidates who won were clearly the reasonable adults in the room on abortion policy, including Florida Senator Marco Rubio, North Carolina Senator-elect Ted Budd, and Ohio Senator-elect J.D. Vance. They expose their opponents as extremists who support abortion on demand without limits, in contrast to a well-articulated pro-life position centered around consensus measures, such as protections for unborn children, when their heartbeat can be detected or they can feel pain. Okay, there's also people that want to act like Senator when Senator Lindsey Graham set forth the possibility of legislation that would set like a minimum national limit. On abortion at fifteen weeks, they thought that was a bad thing. But it appears that what it did was for the for the for the people that wanted to come out strongly and you know the pro life, you know, end of things, it created a backstop for them for the Democrat smears. So, all three winning Senate candidates embraced this political gift to their advantage. It says Rubio deserves special mention as the first Senate colleague to co-sponsor Graham's bill. And he didn't hesitate to call his opponent, Democrat Val, Val Demings, record of opposing any limits. So this is this, 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 the piece I want you to listen to. Because I mean, like, this is where I'm telling, like, this, is my, this was my total takeaway. The clear takeaway for GOP candidates entering 2024 presidential cycles is this. If you want to win, winners define their opponents. They do not sit back and be, and wait on their opponents to define them and then react. They define their opponents. They contrast their extremism with a well-articulated pro-life position. And so, it's got to be sitting around consensus measures, such as protections for unborn babies. You know, when their heartbeat can be detected. You know, or when they can feel pain. Something. Now, again, I disagree with abortion all. You know, all the time. But again, I think it's going to be hard to get people to vote for something. If like we aren't willing to say okay, well, there's um, we're at least open to a conversation for when someone's daughter gets raped, you know, I mean, or, or incest. I mean, if we're we, that hard line is not it ain't gonna win, okay. Pro life governors also did very well: Greg Abbott, DeSantis, Mike DeWine, K. Ivy, Brian Kemp, Henry McMaster, Christy Nome, Kemp Reynolds, Kevin Stilt, They were all handily reelected. The smallest margin of victory for those was eight points. The largest was 37 points. Each of them has signed ambitious pro-life protections into law. So, Kentucky gubernatorial candidates take note of that. Don't listen when they try telling you that you need to be quiet on this issue. Be as loud as you possibly can be. I'll end on this. The the author goes on to say, President Joe Biden in his reaction speech Wednesday afternoon said, I will veto any attempt to pass a national ban on abortion. He was not asked a single question either about his blatant mischaracterization of GOP legislation or his squelching of democracy. Pro-life presidential contenders won't get general treatment. Leadership is critical. Those who don't lean in will find themselves left out. And here's what I'll say about this. I'm also not in favor of national... National bans on it, national bans, and all I'm not that's I don't I ain't there, I don't want that happening either. So, I don't want a lot. I, I for me, the best, the best compromise and what the founders would have wanted was for each state to if it's again, if it's not specifically in the U.S. Constitution, it's supposed to be left to the states, and then if a bunch of states start making decisions that other states just morally and think are reprehensible all the states have to always keep in mind that hey listen there's nothing holding us together except our agreement to stay on the same team based on common principles found in the U.S. Constitution and just like cultural cohesion it's all holding us together there's nothing that says like we've had a civil war once I'm not calling for that I'm just saying like that. that's that's why it's an it's why it's always an option. Because there's got to be some consequences. There's got to be a way to show other people that you're, you know, it comes to election integrity, like with these mail in ballots and all that. Like, eventually, there's got to be some real repercussions. Saying, listen, if we're not all going to have like similar ways on how we're doing our elections, we just can't be a part of this anymore. Like, I'm I just got back from a football tournament. Ten, ten, n- nine new, So it means they're ten years old or under. Football tournament. Before we could play games, we had to. Sh- I had to show up with notarized birth certificate, picture of the kid, in his uniform. They had to be in their uniform when they got there. They had to answer questions from the birth certificate, and they had to weigh on a cattle scale. To determine what if they were overweight or not for the for being able to run the ball. This was all before they could play in a nine u football tournament. It makes no sense that we have those kind of requirements or something like that, but then it, we think it's crazy to say we only we only want certain days for in-person ballots and we want ballots counted by a certain time that's that's ridiculous. You want it to be elite and be like had to be skin in the game and people have, having to put in some effort to vote. I don't want voting to be as easy as possible. Neither should you. that makes no sense. You know, like, I'm not saying I agree with the founders and think you have to be a white guy that owns property. I think that's, I mean, that's ridiculous. But, like, do I think it's okay to say, hey, you gotta get your butt up off the couch and go vote? And you can't pay somebody to go around and pick up a 1,000 ballots and take them all together at once. Like, if you're not responsible enough to go vote around the same general time as everyone else so that everybody has the same exact information, then... You shouldn't vote. There's here's some rules on how you can vote absentee or do a mail in ballot, but we're not doing we shouldn't have this crazy everybody do mail in ballots. Okay, and so like that that was my other takeaway from this election is like we continue to culturally you know, I think things are things are going to get worse before they get better. But we got stuff going on in other in other states that I, I just don't know how could teams I don't know how you continue to be on the same team. You know, like if your quarterback wants to throw the ball all the time, never wants to give the ball to your running back, whenever there's a hole, hole you can drive a truck through for your running back, to score a touchdown, why would that running back not want to change teams? I mean, you know, let's just play this out. You know, like we all got to have the same – we all got to have some similar values here. So let's go through some different you know, different ballot measures so you got Arizona. They had a ballot measure, Prop 309, where the law, this law, would require voters to write their birth date, government ID, government issued identification number, and signature on a concealed early ballot affidavit. Require photo ID to vote in person, and require that, and also require the Department of Transportation to provide without charge, so free, a non-operating ID license to individuals who request the one for voting purposes. A yes vote approves requiring additional voter ID measures for early ballots and requiring voter ID for in-person. A no vote rejects additional voter ID requirements for early and in-person voting. That ballot was, that, that measure was shut down. Again, I going to remind you, I just had to make nine-year-olds stand on a cattle scale to verify if they were allowed to run the ball in a 9 year football tournament in rural Kentucky. But we don't, we're not willing to say, okay, we'll give everybody a free ID card. You get a free one. You don't have to pay. That was always a thing. What costs money for a driver's license? Some people don't have a card. Like, even ID cards, they call, they this are 20 bucks. Nope. This would have made them, made them free. Arizona said, nope. No more, no, no more restrictions. Okay, you got Arkansas. Legalized recreational marijuana. They voted no down on that fifty six forty three. Okay, so then like I said, we didn't, in Kentucky here, we had an abortion amendment that did nothing, said nothing about the actual act of the abortion or whether it was legal or, or illegal. It just said that it, there's no protection in the in the constitution, and it would be done by the legislature. It didn't, it didn't even say that. It's just what it's just what it would have done. It was four lines long. California Proposition One guarantees the constitutional right to abortion. This measure would amend California's Constitution to expressly include an individual's right to reproductive freedom, which includes the fundamental right to choose to have an abortion and the fundamental right to choose or refuse to use contraceptives. A yes vote supports adding the right to an abortion into the California Constitution. It passed sixty-six thirty-three, million votes to 2.5 million votes. How do we stay on the same team? How do we? How do I, as a Kentuckian, allow my son to go fight for in a military, and for the freedoms of people that differ in my point of from my point of view so 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 like staunchly? At the same time, same time. California, overwhelmingly, by even larger margins, voted down even allowing legalized sports betting on tribal lands, and even so that was sixty eight point five to thirty one and a half. Then, just to legalize online sports, to legalize online sports betting, they voted down, voted it down eighty three seventeen. So they want you to be able to choose to kill a baby, okay, but they don't want you to be able to choose if you. Bet on a football game. How do we stay on the same team? My other my other thought on that is like maybe this is terrible me saying, but again, this is about way too much AMC and like if you think I'm wrong here, tell me. So, tribal lands thing. This is 2022. Like, we shouldn't be allowing certain businesses to operate on tribal lands, but not allowing other Americans to run the same type of business on non tribal lands. I mean, to me, that's like. I mean, am I wrong on that? I mean, I just, I, I, that's crazy to me. Could you imagine if we said, okay, you can operate us, you can. You can have horse racing in neighborhoods with majority white populations, but not in majority black populations. That would be, we'd all be up in arms, myself included. Connecticut. Allow, it says their was their, their allow early voting. This measure would amend the state constitution to permit the legislature to enact early voting. Yes, sixty point two, no, thirty nine point eight. Again, it doesn't even say like it has to be limited to a certain number of days prior to the election. So Connecticut basically said there told the legislature, hey, you can do you can do early voting as far back as you want. Stack the deck as long as you want. 'Cause then you know, then you can have a candidate six months earlier that's already got a million votes and then they die. And but they still win the election and then guess what? Your democratic governor gets the gets the appoint who's in that position or the or the democratic legislature or whatever. I mean you know, then you had Iowa, Iowa Amendment one for their constitution establishes the state constitutional right to bear arms. Okay, that one passed 65 five sixty five thirty four. So that no that, that's obviously a good one. And I think the fact that every state doesn't already have that in there. The fact that there's certain states they're having to add that in their state constitution tells you how far the U.S. has gone. Because certain places like Iowa, they're super rural. just assumed they would never have to put that in their state constitution because they just assumed it was in the U.S. one because it is. Maryland passed legalized so they legalized recreational marijuana. Okay, like here, Michigan to me is the one that is is very. I mean, Michigan is continues to be a problem. So, and they talk out of both sides, you know. Like, it seems like they're still like a swing state, but they keep passing. It's like they legalize recreational marijuana, which again, I'm not. I'm, I'm not even getting into the if I agree or disagree with that. They pass that. They passed a the constitutional right to an abortion. And they expanded voting access and policy. So this amendment would add several voting and election policies to the Michigan Constitution. It would require nine days of in-person early voting. Require state-funded absentee drop boxes. Go watch. Go watch. Uh, oh, my gosh. What is it? The Mules. I could think of it if I wasn't doing a podcast right now. But it's on donation Souza's Rumble page require canvas boards to certify results based only on official records of votes cast and listen to this and provide that only elected officials could conduct post-election audits among other changes. So as long as your party has, the, has its own election, as long as they're in power and they have their own election officials, they passed an amendment that says no one else, no third parties the legislature can, can't even require someone. So let's say the Republicans take over the legislature; they can't even have a third-party audit election results at any point down in the future because now it's now it'd be illegal. It can only be elected like, election officials. Here's nothing I thought was crazy. Okay, so in Montana. They had a measure that would adopt the Born Alive Infant Protection Act, is what it's called, which provides that infants born alive, including infants born alive after an abortion, are legal persons and requires healthcare providers to take necessary actions to preserve the life of a born alive infant. A yes vote supports adopting the act, and no vote opposes the act. This went down 52-46. And again, I've been saying this. I am in I am. I'm pro life. I am pro saving babies and not allowing doctors just to kill, the outright. An abortion means that you're you were killing the baby. You weren't ending the pregnancy. You weren't trying to save the mother's life and incubate the baby outside that. But if we're going to do that, we should. We gotta. We gotta guarantee some minimal health healthcare for these babies that were, that were that are being born. Okay, so it's like Montana. You can't have your cake and eat it too. I don't want I don't want babies having to be born and like suffer. And talk about compromise. I think it's a compromise we can all live with, okay? No abortions, they're done. Every baby that is born, we'll make sure we'll make sure it gets health care to a certain point. If there's not already something in place. Okay, sorry, country club Republicans. I know you I know you want to cut taxes and there'll be no money in the government. Sorry, libertarians. I need mean, what I'm about. Then you got a place like Nebraska that talks to the both sides of its mouth. Like they voted to require photo ID for voting, but then they also voted to increase the minimum wage to fifteen dollars an hour. And so here's what I'll say and relate this to Kentucky. I Think that is indicative. You know, like I just said, where I'm like, all I'm all for saying, okay, the Infants Born Alive Act. Means that we got to help. We might end up having to pay for some health care for some babies that wouldn't have been born otherwise. I think this is indicative, and I think this would be something in Kentucky that if it was put to a to a vote, you know, like a true democratic vote where everybody got got to get the vote on it, I think this would pass as well. They'd require people to have a photo ID, and they would. I think you'd have a you'd be a hard pressed to try to get people to not vote for some kind of a minimum wage increase in Kentucky because. It's hard to, to like, campaign against paying somebody a certain so It's like, I think the Republicans need to pay attention to that, to that, to those measures. Something happened in Nevada. They voted to increase their minimum wage to $12 an hour. I'm not saying I approve approve it or disapprove of it. I'm not saying anything about that. Okay. Now, Ohio, again, this goes back to J.D. Vance. This is the movement. This is the direction, especially of Appalachian people. They, they voted seventy-seven twenty-two to require U.S. citizenship to vote in local elections. I think that's a no-brainer. I know how that's even a thing either. Then you got Oregon. They want to require a permit to acquire any firearm and prohibit certain ammunition, ammunition magazines. The Second Amendment like, says that as a state, you do not have a right to do this. How do we stay on the same team if we can't even if we cannot continue to live, live by ten basic, you know? Let's just narrow it down to okay. Let's just say we take everything back and shrink it down to the Bill of Rights. We couldn't even as a, as a fifty state union agree to all ten of those Bill of Rights. How do we how do we stay how do we stay on the same team? You got, you got you had several states that you know struck down legalizing. Recreational marijuana, and in Vermont, passed overwhelmingly seventy six twenty three, the state constitutional right to an abortion. So, again, you want to know why those are overwhelmingly winning compared to Kentucky? I will tell you. Because it is, it is not rocket science. It is because they spent three hundred and what I say, three hundred ninety. One million dollars on abo- pro-abortion advertising, and the Republican Party spent eleven. Now let's talk about the Kentucky Amendment a little bit. Here's what I, here's some here's what I think is very is interesting. You go in here and you look at you look at. Uh, who voted for who, and who voted who, who voted for what amendments, that kind of thing. Here's how I know it's simply a spending problem that we didn't spend enough, and the messaging wasn't there. And that again, Kentucky like Republicans are still so skittish. Just say what you mean and mean what you say. Rand Paul got nine hundred twenty-eight thousand four hundred sixty-nine votes in these midterms. Okay, nine hundred twenty-eight thousand. Amendment 2 that would have made it clear to our Supreme Court that's deciding the case right now that there's no constitutional you protect the right to an abortion in the Kentucky Constitution. Only It only got 702,000 votes. That's a 226,000 vote swing from Rand Paul. How on God's green earth? does 24 does this amendment get 24% less votes than Rand Paul does? All I can, all I can, my my assumptions are this. The amendment wasn't clear enough or something. Okay. It was buried under a second constitutional amendment that was way too long and way too cumbersome and should have been separate. And, you know, like, Again, I know they can't pick and choose when they do stuff, and the timing just wasn't good. Okay, and then you got the fact that you didn't have the Republican parties of each county, and a, like the RNC putting money into Kentucky and telling people, "Here's what this vote does: nine hundred twenty thousand Rand Paul votes, seven hundred two thousand Amendment Two yes votes." 24.35% difference. The other takeaway, I guess, from that would be, hey, Rand, you knew you were going to win huge, hugely, in Trump speak. Why didn't you say specifically, hey, if you're voting for me, make sure you do one other thing. Flip that ballot over, look at the bottom right of your paper, and bubble in the yes. Why didn't you do it? I don't know. I know he's pro-life. The other thing is, and this is from my Kentucky people, my rural Kentucky people. In the cities, we need you to impose your will on us. This the amendment only failed in in Lake in Fayette County, which is where University of Kentucky is, Lexington, Kentucky. Franklin County, which is where our which is our state. Capital seat in Jefferson County, which is our largest urban area, it only won in those three places. It it went down overwhelmingly in every other county. In the county closest to mine, it it, it was literally like it was eighty. It was eighty again. Went down eighty twenty. It was like eighty percent yeses for this amendment. So again. People get loud, you know, let people know where you stand. All right, moving on to the last segment here. Let's talk a little bit about Kentucky specifically. Kentucky overall, specifically Kentucky Kentucky Republicans overall had, had dang had dang good results in all in pretty much all legislative districts Tuesday. Last Tuesday. And I keep telling y'all, yes, national politics is sexy. You know, like they get on Fox News and CNN, and you know, can pick whatever podcast they want to go on. All that they, you know, they get all the press. But I'll give the Democrats, national, the national scene, forever. If I, if I, if I can know where the state I live in, we have true, actual, true, real deal, conservatives in our state legislature and local elected positions. So, Kentucky Republicans. I'm pretty sure that they only lost one incumbent on the night in 118 races, and about half of those were uncontested. Kentucky Republican Party picked up six a net six seats in the House. So now our Kentucky Republican, our our House of Representatives, is 81 percent, 81 out of 100 are Republican. Now, not all those are actually constitutional conservatives. Okay. Some of them are We'll talk about rhino establishment types. <clears throat> when we also gained one seat in the Kentucky Senate, which puts us at 31 out of 38 seats in the Senate, so 82%. So we just have more Republicans in our Senate than we do our House. Here's what's funny. Our Senate is still the problem. You could put a D by about half of those names in the Senate, and their votes wouldn't change. All right, like they're Democrats in in and clo- Republican clothing, or whatever how you want to say it. And here's what I hope we realize: now, well, I've been telling legislators the last couple of days. I've been talking with them with these great with great power and these great super majorities, overwhelming super majorities. It's going to be great responsibility for them to use government policy to promote value the values of their voters. So, like. All you rural legislators need to realize your constituents don't care that your city slicker uh, colleagues maybe aren't as tough on abortion or whatever. They care that you get the job done. And if you don't, it wasn't that long ago when we all remember in eastern Kentucky it was a whole bunch of Democrats in our state legislature. When the priorities of your voters go unmet, with eighty percent plus majorities in the in this in the, legislature, the leadership wouldn't wouldn't whip it, wouldn't move it, we didn't have time in committees, all those excuses are going to ring increasingly cynical and hollow. They're not going to listen to it. Well, I'm going to. Let's go down to the state stuff again before I start talking on the national stuff. So as far as liberty candidates go, is what well, you know, that's when I talk liberty candidates, I'm talking to constitutional conservatives, Christian constitutional conservatives. Basically won every race they could re- they could have reasonably been expected to. And they converted all their primary, major primary successes into expected results. So again, we talked about back with the Trump stuff. Anyone that he endorsed in the primary that won, that went on to the general, most of those people won. You know, because other than Oz and, you know, maybe one or two others, people that Trump endured for people that were willing to say what they mean and mean what they say. Rand Paul, Thomas Massey won big. Um, all contested incumbents, so... This is State House reps, Walker Thomas, Felicia Rayborn, Savannah Maddox, Matt Lockett, William Lawrence, Ryan Dotson, David Hell, Shane Baker, Bill Wesley. All of them won convincingly. Steve Rollins, Marianne Proctor, she, she was uncontested. Steve Doan, Candy Massaroni. They all you know, they all won. But even more so, this, it, this rings true to what I'm talking about on the national level. They are people that won their primaries many of which beat out like deep like beat out current beat out incumbents that have like that were super establishment and swampy. Rebecca Rebecca Raymer claimed an open Kentucky House seat and you got Robbie Mills and Gex Williams that both won their Kentucky Senate races. We also had someone Kim Holloway who had never who's never held office okay ended up getting Something happened where she ended up having to be a write-in. Couldn't even get her name on the ballot. She still managed to get 20% of the vote against a a House committee chairman. So this is the chairman of a committee in our Kentucky State House of Representatives. She got 20% of the vote as a write-in. Don't tell me that the MAGA movement is dying. It's not. They're trying to, they're trying to make you think like that. <clears throat> But so then inside Jefferson County here, we also had a huge night. All right, we'll talk about our we'll talk about our school board race there in a second. So as good as things went as good as could possibly be expected. So the person that wrote this wrote this thing right here for me says, Liberty or Liberty adjacent candidates. So we took out two longtime Democrat House incumbents. And I knew that I knew the incumbent. I knew he was. He knew his days were numbered because, again, I, I personally seemed like a nice guy, and he was very cordial with me, and was always willing to talk with me and stuff. But I could tell he knew a, few, a couple months ago that he was probably on his way out. He was like, you know, he was like, just continue being who you are and stay true to your values. And you know, we as a Democrat, we appreciate, you know, we all appreciated how you handled yourself when you were down here with us in the building. And but he knew he was going out. All right, we took out. Two incumbent Democrat Mitchell council members, so city council members. I guess it's urban, this is super lib, Jefferson County. All right, we, Lindsay Titchener, who's uh, I'm extremely close with, maybe closer with her than anyone else in the legislature. She beat a writing candidate, but beat, again, back in the primary, beat a deep establishment Bill Furco candidate. Okay. And she's, t- Lindsay's, she's super, like, to quote Joe Biden, she's super MAGA, all right. But more than anything, she's a she's a mom in the trenches, and she's tired of this crap and going on in our education systems. John Hodgson, he was unopposed. He you know, filled a previous Republican seat. Emily Callaway beat Jeff Donahue, who was the Democrat or Democrat I was just talking about a second ago. Susan Tyler Whitten, give her a little shout out that they tried to get off the ballot last second because they were trying to say she wasn't in the district when she filed her paperwork, when she actually was. So we had a, a crazy activist judge trying to get her off the ballot illegally and she still and she won and won her appeal and got back on there and won. Don't tell me the constitutional conservative movement is dying. We had another candidate Jared Bauman that took out a very long and long-term incumbent Charles Miller. Both vetted Liberty candidates for Metro Council. Dan Sohm Jr. and Khalil Charlie Batchin, won their elections. They're the only two Republicans that did so. Okay, then we won a ton of non-partisan races. Over half the judges we vetted as being excellent candidates won. All right, and then so now we'll get to our school board member, our school board races. Y'all know I was big in all the school board stuff here with uh, Charlie Bell, Mitzi Glenn, Steve Olam, and Gregory Pichetti. Yes, all four of them lost. Okay, and that you know that sucks. Obviously, And it was kill killer momentum. But look across the country, Miami school board flipped. I've read something. In, I, I got an article up here from like a Minnesota, like a bunch of Minnesota liberal school boards flipped. Had some stuff in California happen. So we ha- there was success all over. You know, again, I think that in time we need to do research and try to contact these other groups and find find out what they did. Differently than us to see where we maybe, you know, slipped. But just like with the abortion, with the abortion discussion, you're outspent 390 million to 10 million. What do you expect? All right, well, two of our racists with Steve Olam and Missy Glenn, they damn near won. Steve Olam especially, he damn near won. And the and the Jefferson County Teachers Association Union Political Action Committee it's called Better Schools Kentucky. They put in over seven hundred thousand dollars into these four races, almost a million bucks. Steve Ollum's like, opponent had like over one hundred fifty thousand dollars raised, and Steve had like ten, and he still only lost by it was like twelve thousand votes to 11,000 votes. So, considering that that money difference the performances of especially of Misty Glenn and Steve Ulm I mean they were remarkable. I mean like it was a remarkably competitive race to both races. But again like money talks and and guess what lying works. And I think that one thing especially on our school board stuff that we could that we could have done when you look at the race across countries, my this I'm backed up by this. So, if you don't like what you're hearing from me, people that are around Louisville here, I, I don't I don't care. It is what it is. We we've got to be more forceful in in the future on where we stand on all issues. Okay, school board stuff. Yes, we got to be forceful on where we stand. on Educational stuff, but people also need to know where you stand on other things as well. Because at the end of the day, you're just trying to get someone to vote for you and to. And to like believe that you will vote their values in whatever position it is that you're running for, people may not even know what a school board member does, or a city council. They may not know what a magistrate does. But if they know you are pro life, they can say, okay, well, they, if they're pro life, they they're probably aligned with me on everything else. Because if they're not, if you're not pro life, I know for damn sure you're not aligned with me. Okay, but then you just look around us, Oldham County, right next door to us. There's three races there we hope to win. We won two of them. With two, with two people that are definitely willing to tell you exactly where they stand on everything. And they won big. One's a mom, one's a former SRO. And they do not shy away from any of their positions. And It's refreshing. And then the other guy Scott Ranger, that, that that did lose he was the same way and I thought he did a great, ran a great campaign and all that but he's he he was running against the person that had the probably the most name recognition ever you know, out of all of them and all that so but he did a great job. So again, money matters messaging matters whether it's school board elections or if it's abortion amendments on your constitution. Republicans, you got to get focused and spend your money more effectively and efficiently. Okay, now will lead me to my last segment here. I'm going to go back to a national, start with a national level. This is two things, this is two things that that haven't really been significantly covered, I don't think, and were two important core messages you're not hearing in the media. Number one, Republicans actually had a huge surge in people voting for their candidates. So over six million more people voted Republican than Democrat. Think about that. Over six million people, more people, voted Republican than Democrat. That's an absolutely huge pro-Republican gap. Democrats are always screaming about the popular vote. Well... And that they'll say, well, all those, uh, you know, it looks like you know, land mass wise, that U.S. Is, is, you know, is Republican because that's out in all the places where there ain't no people. It's red. There's one person every 50 acres. Mm. More Republican votes came in than Democrat votes. Six million more of them. Don't tell me. Don't tell me the constitutional conservative movement is dying. Don't do it because it's you're you're lying to yourself. There's a second one. Democrats were way smarter in their use of data, better funded, better organized, and they basically were able to convert that deficit, that 6 million vote deficit into into a draw. So Democrats always bring up that they have won the electorally meaningless popular vote for president all but one time in the 21st century. This is proof and we're on the losing end of this as, as, as Republicans, getting more votes, getting more votes is cold comfort if it doesn't translate into elect into, into electoral success. So we needed, we needed those six million votes spread in different places. doesn't mean anything if you win the popular vote, Republicans and Democrats. So Democrats focused on the U.S. Senate and House races that they felt were simultaneously the closest and vulnerable and, and most vulnerable, and pushed up voter turnout in those areas specifically. The result was a lot of narrow Democrat wins and and Republican blowouts. So it was like races were either narrow Democrat or Republicans won overwhelmingly. In particular, they 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 utilized well organized, mostly union dominated, volunteer get out the vote operations, coordinated door knocking, sign waving, ballot harvesting especially in the swing states that have extended early voting periods and high rates of mail-in balloting. And they use targeting text banking into which Republicans simply haven't invested enough. I would, In Kentucky, I bet we haven't invested any. I didn't get any Republican text, me- like, robot text messages. They also boosted less electable candidates on the Republican side of the primary. We still don't know if that was successful. Here's what we'll say. What it does prove is Democrats are showing us they're willing to think outside the box. They're willing to take their own money and invest it in Republican candidates that they want to run to win their primaries so they can run against them. That's very untraditional, non-traditional. They, but we got we all gotta think outside the box. Okay? Like in these areas where it's like when it comes to voting operations, I don't care if we don't agree with early voting and mail-in ballots. Right now it's happening. We absolutely have to utilize it to our advantage. We can't cut off our nose and spider on face and we do that all the time. The difference in Democrat party efficiency in organizing, fundraising, and using data in Kentucky really showed up in the ballot initiatives and judicial races. Okay, I I mentioned a second ago here. Coordinated door knocking, sign waving, all that, like There were several races where I talked to people, people I wanted to win. They didn't even know how many votes they needed needed to win the race. If you don't know that number, you can't work backwards into, okay, how many doors do I need to make sure I get knocked on specifically? And then how do I strategically knock on doors based on the number of volunteers I have to make sure I get to that that number of houses for the most likely voters that will vote for me. How many three-hour volunteer sessions do I need to fill to get to that, that, that number of doors knocked on? How many polling locations do I have to where I need to have so I can have people there at those entire days waving signs, handing out pieces of paper, flyers? Like We have to get our ground game better. We don't have any of that, and we're still winning. How do we fix this stuff? The Republicans got to be smarter in terms of the utilization of data analytics. We got to be better funded, better organized, especially at a grassroots level where there's ongoing personal interaction with voters going forward. I will say this as well in addition to that. We have to stop thinking in order in order to do that, in, in order to do the grassroots, get grassroots, rolling better we got to stop trying to curate everything and this is where if we have fundamental values we we say okay these three things you have to support these things or don't vote for me you know or you have to support these three things or don't try to run on the republican ticket you have to have a core set of values so that you can trust that the people you're asking to volunteer are going to all be on the same page with that and you got to be then you have to like listen you got to trust people not to like venture too far from that or to trust that they're doing everything they can just to get people to vote for you but again if no one knows where you stand and you're worried about what every single person's saying on every single issue you're not going you're going to think you can get out and knock on every door and you can't as a candidate we got to focus less on messaging and more on things that will actually get people to the polls and involved in the political process on your side in the places where we really need them this involves coordinating with local activist groups, establishing and funding volunteer banks, funding volunteer banks, paying people to to do things for you, putting in infrastructure to enable ongoing face-to-face interactions with people in urban communities, facilitating grassroots small donor fundraising, investing in data and technology infrastructure, getting our message out, bypassing a hostile media. Democrats are pushing the envelope. Go Google FTX scandal today. We got to stop worrying so much about checking all the boxes off on the front end and we just got to do. Don't wait to see if you have permission to go out and knock on doors. Don't wait to see if it's okay if a civilian gets involved and starts uh, talking about who's going to be your House of Senate leadership on a state level. Stop asking for permission and just do things, focusing less on messaging, what I mean by that is like on a on a local level, the party should be establishing the message, and then you can just ride its coattails while you're out actually putting in the work in the trenches. <clears throat> bypassing the hostile the hostile media is key as well what am i doing right now i'm trying to build a a group of engaged listeners followers okay that are that aren't interested in getting their information anymore from mainstream sources because they lie to us or they just don't talk about it at all and act like it isn't happening period You know, podcasting, whether you know, AM radio, whatever news sites that are, are writing articles. I I look at TimCast IRL. They do. He, they have a podcast, but they also have a news division that posts article stuff on there. We got to get our information from these places and support them with our pocketbooks and our wallets. That's the only way for Republicans to finish off the Democratic Party. You and specifically here, here in Kentucky, and by flipping Louisville, Lexington, and Frankfort. This is my last thing. <laughs> All right. We faced a massive deficit in the Republican Party with young people in this election. It was scary. And young people had super high turnouts this time. People may think that, they're, that we're just not that we're not uh, attracting young people because they don't want they don't want to be a traditional Ameri- have a traditional American life. I don't think that's the case. I think it's the fact that like we dance around promoting that so much that it makes it seem suspect because we're so afraid of making people mad. Or hurting people's feelings, Republicans got to do a better job promoting traditional family values, and like promoting the formation of traditional fa- families, and creating viewpoint diversity, parity, and affordability in our in our especially educational systems. It's nothing new that Republicans generally haven't done well with racial minority groups, except for perhaps Cubans and Venezuelans, and maybe Asians. That did continue, but we did make huge inroads with African American males. We we jumped like an like an eight like eight or ten points. But Republicans lost single women by a margin of thirty seven percent, despite winning all the other combinations of sex and marital status. Married men, they went Democrat thirty nine percent, Republican fifty nine. 42, Republican, 56. Unmarried men, 45% Democrat, 52 Republican. Unmarried women, 68% Democrat, 31% Republican. I don't know the answer to this, but if we have one problem that we have to figure out how to solve, it's that. Moms and dads, I don't know, maybe... Stop worrying about how upset your daughter's going to get when you talk to her about traditional stuff and about not having sex and how they, they abortion isn't something to be thinking that she has in her back pocket because it, even if it's legal, having one is going to hurt you psychologically for the rest of your life. Stop worrying about the temper tantrums. Teenage tram, no tantrums. But it's simply, I mean, I, I don't know how Republicans move forward on a national level and when, you know, get us back on that traditional American pathway when seven out of 10 unmarried women are voting against against those values. Yeah. The only thing I know for sure, and I think maybe a suggestion is we just gotta, we gotta do it we gotta ask the question like how do we promote our values by helping young people and single people, especially women, get married and successfully form traditional families, which then will have the side effect of having them vote more more like married people. Cause married people vote Republican. What's the old saying? If you're young and don't vote Democrat, you don't have a heart. If you're older and don't vote Republican, you don't have a brain. I mean, is that it's never rang more true here, right? So we got to figure out how to track those young those, those young women voters. So that's all I got for you today. I know a lot of times when I'm doing these, it's like I throw a lot at you, and just you know, sometimes it may seem like I'm all over the place. But Again, like my job, my, I don't see my job as like necessarily telling you how to think. It's just trying to. uh present the information to you in a different way with a different voice different point of view you know like but I, I, again don't listen to the national media when they tell you that constitutional like Christian constitutional conservatives or constitutional conservative conservatism is 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 a losing message or a losing equation because I just I just showed you it's not the issue the problem is the the waffling around the republicans and here's what I'd say. I would rather have a Democrat in office at any given moment than a establishment waffle back and forth, fly by the seat of his pants, go with the political wind, vote the political wind of a Republican. That way we can, until we find a true constitutional conservative, it just stays Democrat. So, if you are a constitutional conservative, Christian constitutional conservative, don't settle for middle-of-the-road Republicans. Don't settle. East Kentucky, if you don't start getting some stuff done, tell them, I'm voting Democrat. Don't be afraid to have the the conversations because things are changing. The Republican Party is different. But all this negativity about being a loss for the Republicans last week, whatever. It's untrue. Maybe a loss for the Republican establishment. Because they're having to they're having they're they I know they know behind the scenes the people that were winning are the people they didn't want to win. Marjorie Taylor went no Marjorie Green won. Lauren Boebert won Matt Gates won. JD Vance won. Ron DeSantis smoked a full down in Florida. Open seats. We're Trump and we're Trump endorsed in the primary went Republican Miller the road tops, Oz lost so don't listen to them we're winning we're heading the right direction and we'd rather lose than to get someone in there that isn't that isn't going to align with our values I appreciate your time today Thank you for listening. Hope this has been beneficial. If you have something you want to say, or you think I missed something, or I got something wrong, or whatever, shoot me a text, email, comment under the under the show and on YouTube Rumble. But I beg you, plead with you, if if you like the content, share it, like, subscribe. We got to do all that. We got to circumvent circumvent the mainstream media animal or. We're going to continue to have to be scratching and clawing for everything. All right. Love you guys. Appreciate you. And hope you have a great rest of your week.